902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to check out some of our favorite beers, like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company tap room opening soon on Pacific Avenue in Jersey City, New Jersey. Are you tired of losing at sports betting? Start winning with Kingpin.pro. With Kingpin.pro, you can follow proven sports bettors and handicappers. Each user is required to put in their picks prior to each game. Kingpin scores and ranks users for total winnings, not units, as well as win percentage. This gives you, the sports better, the ability to follow not just winning cappers, but more importantly, consistent winning cappers. You can easily get instant notifications of picks by downloading the Kingpin.pro iOS or Google Play app. Download the app and register with promo code WAGER. That's promo code WAGER, and you'll get a 10% discount off your purchase. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast with Chris Rogers and Brock Landers. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Wager Pager Pod, where we talk sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter, at WagerPagerChris. And please, follow the podcast on the gram and Twitter, at the Wager Pager. This is Season 2, Episode 13, recording live from Van Voorst Film Studio here in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's right. We're coming to you from the mecca of sports gambling, our home state of New Jersey that won the Supreme Court battle and made the regulation of sports betting all possible. We have another great episode for you guys this week. We got professional sports better and analytics expert Rufus Peabody calling in to talk analytics, football, and golf. And of course, we got college football week 12 and NFL week 11 picks coming your way. But first, joining me, my co-host... One of the sharpest gamblers I know, my guy with 22 New Jersey betting outs, and someone who knows his way around the racetrack. Here he is, the Jerry Stackhouse of gambling Twitter, Brock Landers. It gets better and better every week, Chris, with these former Dallas Mavericks references. I'll be there on Thursday. They're in town playing the Knicks. Can't wait for it. Porzingis back in the garden. Uh, can't wait to be uh, stirring it up with some of the New York Knicks fans. Uh, always a pleasure every year and always a pleasure coming on this show. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at BrockLanders41. Uh, another great week in the books, Chris. Happy to be back here and really looking forward to today's episode. we got an awesome guest in store and uh, we've been really looking forward to this episode for a couple weeks now. Yeah, man, Rufus Peabody, uh, you know, big name in the in the business. We've been trying to lock him down for a while now, so we've we've been really looking forward to this. Uh, what's been happening in your world, in the gambling world? Uh, what what have you been betting? What have you been hitting? Any uh, good beats, bad beats? What happened over the weekend? Yeah, I, I dipped back in a little bit to more uh, first touchdown scored. Posted one or two of those, I think, from uh, the last couple games. I saw that. And I've been developing a nice little formula for those things. Uh, you know, nothing huge. I'm not, you know, breaking the bank with them, but they're they're cool every time they hit. You know, extra money in your pocket. 
Formula, huh? Do tell, do tell. Uh, I can't give all the secrets, Chris. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, you saw the other day. I uh, I've been playing. I've been running kind of a, a test test operation, I guess you could say, against some of these uh, legal sports books, just to see what I can get away with and how far I can go. And I had a couple couple sports books that I've been targeting uh, so far for college football college basketball, NBA totals and stuff like that, even a little bit of hockey that I've been dabbling in. And uh, I've just been kind of going back between these four or five legal ones. And one of them that does get a lot of flack, and I'm not going to lie, it's not a great book at all as far as, I mean, I post sometimes you'll see the, the juice on there, but I'm talking about MGM. Uh, the, you know, they're pretty much known out there uh, in New Jersey right now for crazy amounts of juice on one side and numbers being really awkward and different minus 122 and yeah like that. All, all kinds of weird but like they don't make sense like i posted one the other day and it was like minus 182 on like an under for college basketball Jeez. and then like there was still like you know minus 105 on the other side for the over so like it's a messed up thing but i was finding little edges here and there that were just way off like first half totals on nba games and stuff that weren't properly marked and stuff like that and then uh monday night i think that was I go and look, and you know everybody was pretty much painted around two and a half, three on a on a Towson college basketball game, and you know I saw a one and a half out there at MGM with you know with juice minus one twenty, I think it was or one twenty five or something like that, and again didn't want to go down and break down the particulars. I still thought it was a decent bet considering what the money line was, and to see it was out there. And I go to type in my what I've been doing for the last you know three weeks now, and uh, I got limited. I got the the message back saying that I can't get more than this back, and I said, "Oh my God, it finally happened!" And I mean, I've been doing good there the last couple of weeks, and again, I haven't been using them exclusively, but just picking my spots with them where I see an advantage here and there, and uh, I ranked up a, a couple, couple decent figures there, and uh, you know. I finally got limited, so. Hey, uh, that must be a, a monumental day in, in, a, in a handicapper's career. Uh, do you take that as a, somewhat of a, a badge of honor? To, oh, absolutely. Uh, moving forward? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was the goal. You know, everybody, I think even Spanky or somebody that was on was like, get kicked out of William Hill first or another sports book and go from there and you'll see how good you can be. So that was definitely encouraging, trying to do that. And uh, now we're on to another one. Let's try to, to, to get another one to limit. So, yeah, been just, you know, really using the legal apps and, and having a good time. Brock Landers. You guys can follow him at uh, on Twitter, at BrockLanders41, getting limited out here in New Jersey. His his lines are so sharp. Make sure to follow him, guys. Listen to the show. Uh, maybe you'll get limited, too, one day. What else is going on? What have you been betting? I know I'm, I'm kind of putting football on the back burner a little bit. Definitely the NFL. Uh, playing a little bit less college just because I'm all into the basketball, man, especially college. Um, I feel like a, a freaking kid in the candy store right now trying to snoop out these uh, these lines that are a little off. I've been listening to Greg last week's uh, guest. He's got some great picks going every day. It's kind of like you look at the lines. What do I like? Oh, Greg's on it too. Um, maybe I'm going to fire away at this now. Like, it's been good. It's been doing all right. A lot of unders hitting in college basketball. They're hitting yes. at like a 57 to 60% clip across the board right now, guys. Look at the unders. I'm on a bunch of them tonight. Yeah, it's a good time of year to be betting, man. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, especially, too, once we get to Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving to bowl season uh, is, is awesome. I love bowl season. It's something that's definitely been one of my favorite things in the last couple of years. And, again, I'm not a dude that really watches that much college football, but bowl season comes 
and it's round the clock action pretty much for that you know two week span or three week span whatever that is oh yeah oh um, yeah so yeah definitely looking forward to that NBA's been cool too man I've been having some fun NBA uh, a lot of props uh, when I get the time to I, I try to just circle in on a couple of West Coast games and you know see if I could find something that's a little mispriced or mismarked and uh, you know go from there but uh, it's it's been a, a lot of fun and NFL you know tough it sucks i hate betting it sometimes but it's just it's fun you got to do it i'm kind of looking forward to the end of the season soon as it's getting to the point where i'm just like i've had enough of it but you know always fun we've had some great primetime games we talked a couple weeks ago how lousy they were that that niner game on monday i was on the wrong side of it unfortunately but really good game a couple games coming up uh next couple weeks really good primetime games so definitely the best time of the year that's for sure uh actually one thing i wanted to talk about chris and I was going to address this. I got a DM about it. A college game that we talked about last week on the show. Not a Frisky Friday. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was the Alabama-LSU game. I believe we did the show that was Wednesday night. And I gave out the under for that game. And I gave it out at under 65, I want to say. And Saturday rolled around and the thing was down to like 62 and a half, I want to say. Maybe 63. Don't quote me. I don't have my, my laptop with... I wrote all this out, but I didn't bring my computer. But I wrote all this out. And long story short, 65 to about 62, 63, I want to say. And then about maybe an hour or two before game time, that line went the complete opposite way and closed at like 66 or 66 and a half or something like that. So... We talk about it sometimes on the show, a lot of setups out there, especially when you're dealing with college markets. You get everybody thinks, well, you know, they move three points this way, the under's the way to go, and then all of a sudden game time rolls around, hour or two before the game, boom, there's a huge open order out to just go the other way on it. And we saw the same thing uh, at the end of Saturday uh, in a West Coast game that uh, one of our followers of the show uh, informed me about was the Fresno game. Fresno State played Utah. I believe it was Utah State. That was it. So that line opened up 59 and a half, I want to say, or 59. Thing got down to like 56, and then it slowly started creeping up. One book's uh, 57. The next one, 57 and a half, 58. Then it was, by the time that game kicked off, I mean, I think the thing closed at like almost 60, 59 and a half, 60. So when you see the 59 and a half go all the way down to 56, and then an hour or two before the game, bam, right back up to 59, take the over. At that point... You know there's a lot of money out there driving it the other way, and that's the right side. It's the second move that's the correct move, and the late move the correct move. And sure enough, I mean, those teams combined for almost, you know, I think it was like almost 70 points. So just a, a lot to watch out for. And that's another reason why I hate giving out picks. So early in the week you give out a pick, especially in college, you never know which way it's going to go by the time yeah. the thing gets there. Yeah, so just be cognizant of that. Always take a look at those lines and, and kind of monitor. And, and don't be afraid to bet too, too early in every game because, again, it's not like this happens a ton of times, but it happens. And it happened two games I bet this week. Had two good-looking unders and had to go over, uh, you know, just to get off the game at the end. So did you buy back at the end? Oh, absolutely. When you saw the move? Yeah. When you see a move that big, you got to. And then at that point, you're just happy to, to eat the juice. Or if you go with one unit, and you think the other side, the over is the way to go, you know, double down two units or three units if, if that's the way it was. And thankfully, I got off those those games and still made money. So that was good. Tremendous stuff, guys. You can hear it here on the Wager Pager podcast from Brock Landers. Follow him on Twitter at Brock Landers 41. Watch out. 
out there in New Jersey, guys, a lot of movers and shakers behind the scenes, manipulating the market, people who may or may have not been on this show. We say it every week, what a great time to be alive, what a great time to be in New Jersey, what a great time to be gambling sports. Let's keep the show moving here, guys. All right, guys, this next interview is proudly presented by our sponsor, 902 Brewing Co. Right now, I'm sipping on a double packed. Our fan favorite double New England IPA is a dangerously easy drinking, flavor packed brew. Brewed on a hefty base of oats and wheat, stone fruit, tangerines, bubble gum, and a hint of resin jump through the base. That's double packed, New England style, double IPA, 8.9% alcohol. And it's delicious. Goes down smooth. What are you drinking, Brock? Well, since it's very cold out here for November, it's about 30 degrees out. This one's fitting. This one is Campfire, and this is an Imperial Stout. Perfect on a very cold day like today. Uh, 10.6%. It's layered with some of the favorite dark malts to bring out a very roasty flavor. And it's delicious, Chris. It's perfect on a day like this. Graham cracker in the mash, lactose in the boil, and marshmallow and cacao nips in the tanks, making for a sweet, easy, nice and smooth drink. All right, guys, this week's guest needs no introduction, but I like doing them, so here goes. He's a professional sports better and model handicapper who's an expert in the field of analytics. You may know him as half of the Massey Peabody Analytics team or as co-host of the Bet the Process podcast. Here he is, Rufus Peabody. You guys can follow Rufus on Twitter, at Rufus Peabody. Rufus, welcome to the Wager Pager. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome, man. I'm going to start off by asking you something that I asked Gil Alexander about his podcast. How do you get away with using that intro music, man? Oh, I, I love it. Someone on Twitter actually... Um someone sent that to us. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very, it's very Jeff and I. Oh dude, I love it. Um, as a big fan of, uh, late nineties, early two thousands hip hop, um, I'm a, a big fan of said rapper and, uh, hopefully he's not listening to the show right now. Cause I would love to you know, keep hearing that intro every week on bet the process podcast. I don't know why in my head, I always think it's you rapping Rufus. It's not you rapping huh? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. Or fortunately for everybody, it's not me rapping. <laughs> no, it's a it's a great intro and it's a great uh, great podcast. I mean, as somebody who bets, uh, it's it's on my my list every week. And you know, even I go back to past episodes that you guys have had, and it's really great stuff. And I can't recommend it enough. So it's a pleasure finally getting to talk to you, Rufus. Uh, let's just start first, though. For those who may not be familiar with you uh, here in New Jersey that listen to us, uh, you're a graduate of Yale University, uh, where you did some very fascinating work. Can you tell us a little bit about your senior the thesis, and was this how you first got into sports gambling? It is. So I actually, so we have to start a year before when I, I read some, I, I read an article on ESPN.com about um, this company, Las Vegas Sports Consultants. I think Gene Wojciechowski, the ESPN reporter, former ESPN reporter, maybe still current. I don't know. He, um, he was at the LVSC offices for Selection Sunday and wrote about 
you know, how they set lines and all these games. So I was like, that seems like the coolest job in the world because I was always into the number side of sports. And so I talked my way into an internship out there the summer before my senior year. Um, and I actually got some money from Yale because I was going to be researching for, at, the, at that time, I thought my senior thesis was going to be looking at sort of corruption in, in college basketball and sort of looking for point shaving and stuff like that. But um, I ended up going a different route and ended up looking at psychological inefficiencies in the baseball betting market. So I found that, that the market systematically overvalued outcomes and undervalued the processes generating those outcomes. So uh, the big example there is sort of um, in baseball, how a pitcher doesn't have that much control over whether a ball put in play becomes an out or not. The things a pitcher can control generally are considered strikeouts, walks, and to some extent home runs. And so it, at that time, that wasn't properly valued by the, by the betting market. Um, but it, that is taking that, that into account by the betting market now. So um, unfortunately, I, I, w- I just wish I had bet more money um, back then. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I mean, uh, you know, as a as a gambler, I mean, I'm sure you know you had your edges that you started out with, and I'm sure you wish you still had a lot of that. Um, so, how did you become a professional from that point in time? Were you betting while you were doing other jobs? Like, how did you build your bankroll? Was it certain sports? Were you still working somewhere? How did that all begin? So, I took a job with Las Vegas Sports Consultants full time out of college. I was getting paid twenty five thousand dollars a year, and I. You know, I didn't have much in the way of savings because I just, you know, I was a poor college, well, recent college grad. So I, I slowly, so I was, while I was out there, I was, I, I started betting. I hadn't, I, I did not bet growing up as a kid or anything like that, um, besides some NCAA tournament pools and, and play fantasy football. But, um, so I, I sort of, I guess I started, I was betting baseball. I was attacking like NFL props and first halves and sort of derivative markets. Uh, to begin with and, and working on modeling uh, other things. And I happened to uh, meet sort of the right people, um, people that bet for a living and got to know them and they got to know what I was doing and were willing to take a, a chance on me. This is back in, uh, back in 2009. And so after just about 10 months at LVSD, um, we, I struck a deal with them where I would get, I get a 20% free roll meaning that um, for the baseball season, they'd be betting based on my baseball stuff. And um, so I would get 20% of the net profits at the end of the year with, with no downside. And after a month, I'd made the equivalent of my yearly salary at LBSC, which wasn't that much. And at that point, they were like, why, that, why, why are you still working there? Why don't you just come and do this with us full time? And so, um, so that's, it, it, it all went from there. Um, that's, that's, when I, that's the last real job I've had. And I've been betting for a living for the last 10 years. Tremendous stuff, guys. On the Wager Pager podcast, you're listening to Rufus Peabody. You can follow him on Twitter, at Rufus Peabody. Um, after doing some uh, pre-show research, um, I saw when you were working over there with Las Vegas Sports Consultants, you were actually involved with uh, investigating the Tim, the Tim Donaghy scandal. And uh, what was that like? That was- and for the younger audience, can you just please explain a little bit about who, who he was and what happened? So that was actually what I was uh, doing my internship out there before my senior year of college. Okay. The uh, the whole uh, Tim Don he was this NBA referee who bet on games he officiated, and I believe he's still in prison right now for that. Or did he get out? I'm not sure. But I'm not sure if he's he, out. But the uh, movie's coming out. It'll. I'll definitely have to watch it. I guess it was surprising to me that out of everybody in the LVSC office. 
all 12 people. I, I actually had the uh, most rigorous statistics background, um, which wasn't even that rigorous. I was an economics major. But they tasked me with sort of looking for patterns of line movements in the games he officiated, um, which they then sent the company sent to the NBA um, and to the FBI. And so we, we actually did find some suspicious um, betting patterns, and, and it ended up, I, I don't know how, um, well, looking back at it now, my, my analysis was, was, was pretty pretty simple, but, um, but you know, I, I don't think it was, uh, you know, it, it was something a lot of people could have done. I just had the data because I was there, so I was able to um, to help them get the NBA as a client to sort of, um, I guess, say, in the future monitored um, and monitor line movements, look for suspicious betting patterns, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's honestly that that work was a big reason I think they they offered me a full-time job after college. Nice stuff, uh, Rufus. That That's amazing that you were actually looking at patterns for, for that stuff and, you know, kind of supplying your, your two cents to them. That's that's great. It, it was not that complicated, I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> How much footage did you watch? I did not watch a single minute of footage. It was just, just the odd data. Oh, okay, gotcha, okay. Right on. Moving on to your professional career, uh, why don't you tell us and the listeners a little bit about what is Massey Peabody Analytics? What do you guys do, and what do you guys are all about? So Massey Peabody Analytics is sort of, I guess, I call it a kind of a garage project. It's it's this, it's a company um, that is it's, it's myself and my former senior thesis advisor at Yale, Cade Massey, who's now a professor of the practice at, at Wharton um, in Pennsylvania, and so. He, uh, he approached me back in 2010 about developing a quantitative NFL rating system. Um, he was approached by uh, Michael Salfino, who was, who's a reporter and writer about this. Um, and it was for the wall to build something like this for the wall street journal. They were interested. And so we ended up um, developing this, this NFL uh, power rating model basically, which had the nice useful benefit of being a predictive model that actually, um, did quite well against the spread. And so we, we published that in the Wall Street Journal for a while. We've, we don't do that anymore. But um, and then we, we eventually went on to, to uh, develop a college football model as well. And, um, and we've, we've published that in various places as well as we had a column for the Washington Post looking at the college football playoff um, each week from a, from a sort of quantitative perspective for, for a couple of seasons there. Um, but and we've done a little bit of consulting for, for NFL teams, but for the most part, it, it, it's just a side side project for us. It, it's something that, that's fun. It keeps us connected. It, it allows us to it, it, to sort of have, I guess, a um, bit of a public facing um, persona uh, in, in the sports analytics world. Fascinating stuff, Rufus. Uh, Going into now modeling, I know you mentioned it a couple times so far in this interview, and I'm sure there's some people out there that are like, what exactly is modeling? Uh, is this something that you do, you know, you just kind of find a lot of information about something and look for these situations to fire away and bet? Is this more of computer programming type stuff that you are constantly adjusting? Can you kind of get into just a little bit about modeling? So I think the first thing, I mean, yeah, it's sort of some of all of the above. It's It's building... You know, it involves a lot of computer programming, um, but it involves asking the right questions too, and sort of building, uh, figuring out what is 
random and, and what is it, what, what's predictive and what's not. And so with each sport, I, I try to look, you know, sort of take the most granular data I can and, and sort of ask the question, like, what, what, what's luck here and what scale, what can and can't be predicted or, you know, to what degree was this loss to what degree was this skill? Um, and, and kind of go from there and, and sort of go from the bottom up in terms of um, constructing metrics that I find to be predicted moving forward and then piecing those together into, into how to predict, um, to predict a game. So is that luck versus skill thing like an actual like qualitative like nugget you're throwing in to your quantitative research? No, no, no. So, so I mean, for example, think about like fumbles in football. Which team recover like in the NFL? Which team recovers a fumble is almost well is basically entirely luck. Um, right. Once the ball is fumbled, controlling for the type of fumble, of course. A wide receiver fumbling is uh, the offensive team slightly less likely to recover because there's generally more defenders in the area, but. Um, there's really no predict. There's no skill that, that um, there's no there's no predictive quality uh, to fumble recoveries. So a team that happens to let's say a team recovers 15 out of 17 fumbles in a given you know, maybe 10 game span, uh, they've been very lucky. But I would not expect that to continue. So in a way, it's sort of what I'm, what I try to do, and I do this all quantitatively, is, is figure out how a team played in the areas they can control. And so maybe like if fumble, if fumbles are 100% luck, you know, interceptions. There's a there's a big part of luck in in terms of interceptions, but there is some persistent skill there as well. Um, and you know, think in football. I mean, what what about think about plays where uh, plays negated by a penalty. There's some predictive skill in some of that. Uh, it doesn't count on the stat sheet, but you know, if a quarterback throws an interception and it gets negated by a roughing the passer penalty, do we do we take that quarter? Do we let the quarterback off the hook? Um, you know, the stat sheet does, but that interception still has some predictive value. Yeah, exactly. Excellent point. Um, so now going back to your model, though, I mean, you base all your bets pretty much through your modeling and stuff like that. And I mean, you've been doing this for 10 years, like you said. I'm sure you've had uh, a lot of great seasons, obviously, for 10 years still doing it. Have you had years where sometimes you had to just really readjust the model? Had you have a year where, hey, something's really off here? Um, and how much do you really just watch the market as well? I mean, if your model's putting out, let's say, that you know there should be an under 64, and now the market is, you know, somewhere 66 or something like that. Uh, how do you adjust for that? Um, so there have been seasons, there's been seasons that are better than others, of course. And, and I'm always working on adjusting these models and improving them. Mm-hmm. Data has gotten much better over the years, too. So you're, in, you know, you're introducing new data. I mean, optical tracking data is becoming available in some sports now. You know, if you look 10 years ago, uh, you know, what's available now versus what was available um, 10 or 15 years ago, um, there's a big difference there. So, so integrating this sort of new, better data in is one aspect, and also just kind of trying to go deeper in, in terms of um, how I model some specific processes. And so, I think I've I've learned from I've learned from my experience um, over the last 10 years as well. So, all that sort of has helped me improve. But there have certainly been years that have been um, more challenging than others. But I'm betting in enough sports that overall. You know, overall, um, my income has been pretty steady year to year. 
uh, you know, some years it's been once, you know, some years it's been driven by one particular sport and other years by another, but it's ended up, um, you know, in, in a fairly tight window at the end of the year. Super fascinating stuff, guys, from Rufus Peabody. You can follow him on Twitter, at Rufus Peabody. Rufus is talking his computer modeling handicapping style. Um, is this applicable to, like, live betting? And how much are you involved in, like, the derivative market, player props and things like that? So I used to be a lot more involved in, in sort of the derivative markets. but And, I, and I've always said, if, if you're sort of someone trying to get started and build up the bankroll, the prop markets and derivative markets are... are probably what you should be attacking because there are good bets to be had there margin. You know, there, there, there's much higher expected value bets to be found there than betting you know, sort of full game, bigger, larger markets. The problem there of course, is that limits are a lot lower. So, um, but if you're, if you're not sort of up against limits, then, uh, you know, I would highly recommend people attack those because they're, they're easier markets to beat. I, I don't, as I said, I, I sort of got started doing that. Um, I don't really, I, I don't do nearly as much in the prop markets anymore. It's almost entirely just the Super Bowl, um, which is a, you know, they, you can get down quite a lot in, in Vegas and Jersey and around Mississippi, I guess now too, and other states. But, um, and, and so I, we, we, you know, I've done that every year. And that's kind of a, an exciting week, but for the most part, um, the pro- props are pretty labor intensive. Yep. There's a lot you have to, follow in terms of injuries and stuff. And so I'm content now to, uh, to sort of bet these bigger markets where I can, I can get more down. What about live betting? Is that something, is that a market that just moves too fast? Like, are you even able to model something like that? Yeah, you, you can have, uh, you can definitely build win probability models and, and, and there are ways to attack live betting, especially if you are, you know, watching the games and, and but the problem is, Again, it's just very labor intensive. You need to you need to have somebody there um, betting every you know every time out, and so so I, I, I've um, done a lot with second half betting over the last I guess seven or eight years for college football and the NFL, but that's actually uh, you know there, there was sort of the these sort of halcyon years of maybe like 2011 to 2015 where that market was much, much less efficient than it is now. But unfortunately with, with live betting getting um, more and more prevalent and, and becoming a greater percentage of the total handle for books, you are having, um, you know, bookmakers have a much better idea how to sort of set that second half betting line. So the opportunities just aren't there as much as they used to be. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you kind of just touched a little bit on on watching the game itself. We've had guests on the show that they just want to beat the number, not even watch the game, go on to the next thing. Are you that type of guy? You just want to beat the number and forget about it, or do you want to sit there from you know start to finish of the game and really take in what you see? No, I don't watch many games. I was just saying, if you're live betting, there's opportunities towards the end of the game where these quantitative models just are not very good at pricing particular things because it's it gets kind of it gets difficult to model if you're you know, in the last three or four minutes of a football game, um, just because it's the, the way football, the way scoring works, the way coaches make decisions. Um, so I was saying, if you're actually, you need to be kind of um, actually watching the game to to be able to sort of hit on those live betting opportunities. But normally, I, I don't watch a lot of games. I, I, I watch, you know, I watch the Reds on on Sunday. 
if I like watching NFL games, I'll watch some college football on Saturdays. I'll watch Master Sunday, but for the most part, I'm, you know, I'll look at scores, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't really watch a lot. Cool, Rufus. Um, we know that you specialize in baseball, football, and golf, but uh, just a general handicapping question about football. Do you find yourself getting down more often early in the week? Are you waiting for a lot of market movements and stuff, getting down midweek? Are you, do you find yourself throwing down even pregame? When, when are the majority of your plays going in? So the majority of plays are early in the week just because we, my partner and I are able to get down a decent chunk um, through our different connections. And at that point, the prices are still uh, fairly soft relative to where they, what they become. So we're able to get a good amount of closing line value that way. We, we still do bets on uh, day of the game. Like we bet later in the week for totals because those markets take a little longer to, to mature and to get up to sort of full limits. And of course, it's, it's, de- it's definitely more difficult to beat game day markets, but there still are some opportunities, we think. And so we do bet on game days, but not nearly as much as we do earlier in the week for football week. Rufus, you touched on at the beginning of the interview on how technology has changed so much and how things are much different than they were, let's say, 10 years ago. Um, as we get now to more states being legal and more books out there, do you think as as we keep going on and on, things are just going to get harder and harder for the better? Do you think we're ever going to see, I mean, we hear about books all the time just moving on air and you know copying other books' lines and stuff like that. Do you think we're ever going to get to a point where there's going to be hardly any differences in some of the numbers in the books? Well, I think you're you're moving in that direction for sure. I think are you saying harder on someone betting for a living? Correct. Yeah. You know, I do think so. I mean, just because I tend to believe markets tend toward efficiency, but it really depends on how things play out in the U.S. Especially because if you have all these books that are really limiting sharp action, um, and if sort of the offshore market dries up at all, you're going to have situations where it's really hard for for sharps to get down a lot of money, and so. If, you, if, if that is what's generally driving these price movements towards you know, more efficient lines, um, if you don't have that money being bet, uh, if, if, if people aren't able to get down that money or get down enough, um, you won't, you know, you're not going to be able to have those movements. So uh, think about like, I guess the example, the, the best example is the Super Bowl or the World Cup, which are two sort of unusual events in, in the, in this sort of betting world because you have so much money coming from people that don't normally bet actually not not just your average recreational betters but people that aren't normal betters at all and so you know for those events those games are just just one game or just you know for for a bet a professional better it's not like they're going to put their entire bankroll on it so uh, so what you end up having is a huge percentage of the money coming from squares and so that essentially will make normally the price discovery process leads to a more efficient number because uh, because pe- there is a good amount of sharp money that is sort of that the market is moving on um, and and so and then you have recreational money coming in later in the week when the sort of market is already pretty mature but you know if, if you don't really see that as much for for something like the World Cup or the Super Bowl, where you can have a closing line that is less efficient. So I feel like if if you have a lot more square betters in the market and sharps aren't really able to get down, I think things could be a little bit less efficient. But 
that's still worse for, you know, sharp better because they're not able to get down. So it's, it, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm speculating. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out. Yeah, absolutely. Now you just touched on two closing line value and we see it all the time on gambling Twitter. There's the people that believe that closing line value is the end all be all and how to win long term. And that's what you need to do. And then there's people that think that that doesn't mean anything. Where do you stand on that just for our listeners to know and how important it is or how unimportant it is in your opinion? Well, I think closing line value means a lot. And I think how much it means depends on how you're betting. If you're taking a strictly trading approach where you're looking at exploiting prices at particular books that are off market, then, you know, it's going to be a hundred percent closing line value. If you're not getting closing line value, you're not going to be winning. But uh, if, but I think for someone like me and for handicappers, closing line value more than anything is a signaling device. It's an indicator that what you're doing is that you're onto something. Um, because it means that other sharp bettors essentially agree with you. So if you're betting and line is moving in that same direction, there are other people that, um, that sort of have that same opinion that are influencing the market. And so that can only be a good thing. Um, yes, it's possible to win without getting closing line value, but it means you're probably doing something completely unique that nobody else is doing uh, out of all these other smart people that are betting for a living they are not, they're doing something completely different. So, um, that's very rare. <laughs> I don't, I don't know any, I, I've never heard of anybody that that's the living that's not consistently getting closing line value. So, um, it doesn't mean it's going to happen every game, but if, if the lines are not, if the market's not moving towards your number, um, your model probably does not have that much predictive value relative to market at least. Very fascinating stuff, guys, from Rufus Peabody on the Wager Pager podcast. Speaking of concepts that are controversial on gambling Twitter, you, you just touched on closing line value. What about betting percentages? Where do you stand in the argument on, on like fading the public and stuff like that? How much stock do you put into like these betting percentages? What side? How much money? How many tickets? Etc. cetera. Zero uh, percent. I, I think it depends on where that information is coming from. You don't really know the quality of the information the fact that books are giving that out tells you something, right? right? If it had predictive value, why would books want you to know that? So, and you're also not seeing, it also depends. You need to know what book the information is coming from, what lines, um, what, what the lines, what the percentage of money um, that was at, at each line. Like, you know, you could have a line that opened plus seven and a half and moved down to plus six and a half. And, you know, you don't know what percentage of the money was bet at seven and a half at seven and at six and a half. And so what could be a sharp play at plus seven and a half is not a sharp play at plus six and a half. So um, I, I think it really just sort of fuels these narratives. Um, it, it says, you know, if you have money that's driven a line from plus seven and a half to plus six and a half, you can say, yeah, plus seven and a half is probably the sharp play, but that doesn't tell you anything about what's sharp at, at the price of six and a half. So I think really, um, I think these betting percentages and stuff are used to provide content and to tell a good story, but I really don't uh, think they have any predictive value, really. Excellent answer. I completely agree with you, Rufus, and I think that was a great question, Chris, uh, to to go into that because people ask us that all the time. Um, Now, you touched on New Jersey a little bit. Still relatively new here, legalized gambling. What's your feelings on the New Jersey landscape? I know you've been out here a couple times. Uh, What do you think of it so far? Where do you think it's going? Uh, Things you like, dislike? What can you help us out with? 
Well, I like how many operators there are. There's a lot of competition, although I think what you're going to see at some point is some consolidation. I think it's already starting to happen, and it's probably going to continue. So, I mean, that's that happened in Vegas. That's happened in Vegas over the years as well. When I when I moved out there in 2008, you got a lot more independent books than than you do now. So, um, unfortunately, I think what yeah the the sort of winners are going to end up um, buying some of the losers, right, or merging with them, um, and so. I, I do think, um, but I do think the competition is good um, right now. I obviously don't like the fact that uh, there there's many more of these European style books that that limit winning betters. I think it's sort of if you're winning better, it creates um, it creates an interesting decision. Do you, there's certain places where you know that there's value, but if you bet like, like let's say betting props or or betting soft in-game markets. If you bet into those markets, you, you could have a nice edge, but at the same time, you could get limited pretty quickly. And uh, you know, the problem is when you have books that start limiting people in these larger markets too. So like NFL sides and, and NBA sides, you know, which are markets that I don't think any book really should be limiting people on, especially um, later in the week, because I think overall, um, overall, those are harder to beat markets. So I think generally these books are, uh, I think what they're doing a lot of is limiting betters that are doing better than flipping a coin, but not necessarily, but they're not necessarily winning betters. You know, someone might hit like 51 to 52% range on minus 110 bets. You know, they're, they're, they're sharper than your average better, but they're still going to be losing long term, and, and those guys. I mean, it seems like the books really don't want those guys as customers, which I think that's it's a little bit short sighted. I think it's also, um, I, I don't think it's great PR limiting, um, limiting sharp betters. But you know, I, I'm looking at it from one perspective, and I think the majority of recreational betters out there probably don't care because it doesn't affect them. So. Yeah, I mean the the clientele in New Jersey. It's crazy when you go into these sports books and you see what's out there. <laughs> uh, it's it's comical. Uh, some of these people, but cast of characters. What would what would your advice be, Rufus, for someone that maybe says, "Hey, you know what? I lost a couple weeks in a row. I want to try to get better at this." What advice would you give a young sports better who's starting out and trying to get better? Ooh. Okay, it depends on the background. Generally, I would say. Um, don't bet probably <laughs> but unless so i i never started betting until i had a model that that i had developed that 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 beat these markets when i back tested it so right. i i kind of came at it from the perspective of not being i, I guess i never was a recreational better uh-huh. i i started to, i i started betting once i'd already sort of done quantitative analysis from high school to the pros but i i would say don't buy into these narratives that you hear um and also, the bets that look the sexiest tend to be the worst bets, I think. Mm-hmm. And also, um, don't bet teasers. Don't bet teasers? Really? Okay. I mean, th- there, is, there are exceptions. There are times when teasers can be good. Teasing across the three and the seven in the NFL, um, a two-team te- if you have like a two-team six-point teaser from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half, that's that's a good bet, but I see people teasing across the zero, um, which is problematic because zero, not a lot of games land on zero. Um, 
and and generally um, never never ever 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 tease a total. So I mean, just the math just does not work out in your favor. Books are holding a lot on teasers. There's a reason they offer them, and it's it's not because they help you. How do you feel about correlated parlays? If you can bet them, bet them. But <laughs> don't, don't expect to last. Don't expect to last in the book for that long if you're doing it. Absolutely, excellent stuff from uh, Rufus. So much informative stuff. What's a typical day in the life of Rufus? Uh, you wake up, check the lines. Are you into tomorrow's games already? Are you a day ahead? I mean, how does that work? What's a day in the life for for people listening? So honestly, it really depends on the season and the day. But for the most part, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm not the one who's um, trading. I have a partner who who lives um, lives down in uh, Grand Cayman Island, actually, who's the head of trading. And, and so he's the one who's coordinating all that stuff. Um, but I make sure, you know, for example, let's say Monday morning, I have all my college football numbers in there and updated. And I have the NFL numbers up there and updated. Um, he, he sees my, like, he can see what my partner sees, what my price is. He, he can put in the market numbers and it'll tell him, you know, how much we're supposed to bet on each thing. Um, and, and, you know, if you get such and such a price, how much more we want. And so he'll send out, he'll, he'll basically handle that stuff for me. Um, I'm doing combination of, of maintaining projects that are already going on a weekly basis. So that's golf, that's football, that's baseball, uh, during the baseball season, um, as well as working on some new projects and, and, and just things that I enjoy also, for example, I have the, you know, the pod, that's the process podcast. I, do some stuff in terms of, um, you know, I run futures like for college football stuff and college football playoffs, um, just which is mostly for fun because I'm not actually betting a lot. Um, I mean, the amount that you can get on futures is, is pretty pretty minuscule. Uh, so, right on. Short answer: It really varies. <laughs> cool, but, Rufus. Uh, just a couple more yeah. questions before we get you out of here. You just mentioned that you you mainly bet baseball, uh, football, and golf. Uh, baseball is in the the rearview mirror at the moment. We we've touched on football, I think, a fair amount in this episode. Looking ahead to the golf season, um, being out here in New Jersey, there's a lot of new betters here on in the market. I myself have always been interested in betting golf, but just never have done it. Don't have much experience. Without giving away some of your secret sauce, what what would you recommend for uh, new punters out there? You know, a, attempting to bet golf. Are there any any uh, remedial tactics that we could use to just get involved i would say in general don't bet the don't bet the favorites to win because they tend to be way overpriced by the books like outright winners Um, actually in general i'd avoid the out the outright market the over round tends to be pretty high so meaning that you know the, the 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 well i would say the biggest thing is to um it let's say you want to bet outrights line shop compare uh compare the prices and actually add up and see, um, see what the, what the book's theoretical hold is there, what their over round is, you know, is, is it a, is it 150%? That means the book, if they take equal action from on, on each is going to hold 50%. That's not, it, that, that's harder to beat. Although that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you can't find some guys that are mispriced, but I, I think in general, I would look at, I think to look at matchups, um, a matchup of one golfer to beat another golfer. The hold there is going to be a little bit less for the book, and it's it's something that I think is intuitively easier to price, especially if they're two both two guys that are pretty pretty even. Um, whereas it, it's harder to say this guy is value at eighty five to one without 
running some simu- like pretty involved simulations. So. Very cool, guys. If you're looking to uh, get into golf, you better follow Rufus Peabody on Twitter. One last question here. Uh, it's kind of a fun question, a little bit outside of the box. We ask most people that come on the show. It's a Mount Rushmore thing here. Excluding yourself, if you had to pick the four most successful sports bettors, past or present, living or dead, who's your top four? Oh, God, that's a tough question. Um, let's see. I guess I'd go with Billy Walters would have to be on top. Um, Bob Volgaris for all of us. The NBA. Um, who else? But I, I generally keep to myself, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not that in. You know, this, here's the thing: the most successful betters, you know, you don't know who they are because they they don't go out. You know, they they don't. They try to keep a fairly low profile. I feel like um, because that you know, they're behind the scenes. So I'll just leave it at two. Very cool. All right, guys. Uh, Unless Brock has anything else, I think we'll let Rufus go. Brock? Yeah, Rufus, this was a tremendous interview. You gave us a lot of great information to our listeners. Um, Just one non-sports betting question. You mentioned the red zone earlier. Who's your favorite football team? Unfortunately, the Washington football team, uh, (laughs) the Redskins. (laughs) Yeah, and right now I'm actually rooting against them because I think that's in the best interest of the franchise's long-term health. (laughs) Hopefully, uh, hopefully things get bad enough that that Snyder eventually fires Bruce Allen or steps down himself. But you know, there's there's not a lot of hope. I feel for you, Rufus. I hope it gets better. All right, Rufus. Uh, I'm a Patriot fan. Jesus. Oh God. Yeah, sorry. I live in Boston now, so I I have to deal with you guys all the time. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, Rufus, before we let you go, anything to plug here? Anything at all? Not really, just uh, my podcast, Best of Process. Um, I co-host it with, with Jeff Ma, who is of MIT Blackjack team fame, um, as well as just being a really, really smart smart guy. So, yeah, give it a listen. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. Yeah, we love the chemistry you and Jeff have, guys. You got to check it out. Guys, that was professional sports better, Rufus Peabody, Committing potultry, like Jeff Ma would say. You can follow oh, Rufus. <laughs> you can follow Rufus on Twitter at Rufus Peabody and download the Bet the Process podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Rufus, thanks for joining us, man. We hope to have you back again soon. It was an absolute pleasure. Definitely. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much, Rufus. This was great. All right, guys, it's time for our weekly pick segment here and back by popular demand. Brock Landers with Frisky Fridays. Thanks so much, Chris. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple couple rough ones. I think we're, we lost the last two here on Frisky Friday. We didn't score. We did not score. No, we did not. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to make this one simple and easy, okay? Uh, this game, Friday, 7 o'clock. Um, Real simple. Just bet it now. As soon as you hear this, uh, you're going to go and take a look at game number 
rotation order here. That's what I go by. Even though no books in New Jersey go by it, you got to know the time of the game in New Jersey. But we'll do it the real way. You got to know the rotation number. So we'll start there first. We're looking at game number 315-316, LA Tech Bulldogs heading to Marshall Thundering Herd. Great spot. Thundering Herd. Oh, yeah. Thundering Herd. Uh, you know, this might be the first game, Chris, of the Frisky Friday that I really don't have any sexual innuendo to go with this pick. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty just cut and dry here. Uh, Marshall is the play. Marshall right now, I'm seeing at the time of this podcast, uh, pretty much around three right now. Uh, some places even three and a half. Uh, looks like Pinnacle's at three and a half. Uh, you know, William Hill might be at four at this point. Um, but I think it's a good spot here for Marshall on a Friday night. Um, it's cold. Go out for a nice dinner, as usual. Fridays are for dinner. And uh, bet it, forget it, wake up the next day, spend some more time this weekend with your lady, and uh, wake up Saturday morning, see the money in the account, and have at it for Saturday. And that's where you're going to come in, Chris, Saturday. I'm sure you have some games circled already for Saturday. I do, I do. You heard it here, guys. If you want to be the marshal of your bedroom, bet Marshall on Friday night. Oh, okay. I like it. Brock Landers, Frisky Fridays. I'm looking at uh, a couple things here on the college football board. Um, um, I'm going with the simple handicap strategy. I'm just, I've am just i been doing a lot of market watching, just looking at numbers, learning from the guests. You know, uh, We don't need to know every freaking player unless, you know, unless you're Greg Peterson. I mean, he, he works it. He works it. <laughs> he works that to his advantage. But I'm trying to play the market here. This is some somewhat uh, of a situational play, you would think, but it's actually not. Um, I'm going with Iowa, minus three, versus Minnesota Gophers. I'm not betting this because I think it's a letdown. I think even if Minnesota lost last week to Penn State, I'm still taking Iowa. Not many people on the East Coast or the West Coast know this is a, actually a huge rivalry game for these schools. Um you know, they play for the Floyd of Rosedale Pig Trophy. It's really a big deal out there. You know what I mean? So I think they're they're up for this game no matter what, no matter if they lost to Penn State, no matter if they did pull the big upset. I, I love Iowa here in this spot. Minus three, only a field goal. I see them winning by at least seven to ten. Row the boat. They could, And Minnesota, even with a loss, still has a chance. If they win out and go to the Big Ten Championship and upset whoever they're playing, they still have a chance to make the college football playoffs. So this is not a season-ending loss. I like Iowa Hawkeyes, minus 3, 4 p.m. kickoff Saturday. Very nice, Chris. That was an awesome game, too, last week. Uh, were you on Minnesota at all, or did you watch any of that? I was on Minnesota. Yeah, so. me too. I had Minnesota plus the points. I was, oh, I was kicking myself in the ass. I wanted to fuck freaking parlay minnesota to lsu money line but i, I just mm. you know i wussed out and i didn't put it in I didn't juicy. put it in very juicy coulda shoulda woulda content i've got uh i've got another game here for saturday for you this one's a total uh you're gonna look at game 321 322 virginia tech Hokies visiting the georgia tech yellow jackets uh, right now, currently seeing this as we record the show here on Wednesday. Uh, right now, the total around 51, and it looks like Pinnacle's gone to 50. So 51, 
50. Uh, definitely take a look at the under in this game. Uh, just be uh, careful Saturday when you go to look it up, 3.30, that it's not uh, like last week at the LSU game and uh, this thing shoots up to like 54 or something like that. So definitely right now the play for me is on the under in the Virginia Tech game. I got it at 51 and a half. I think it's still good to 51. I think it's still good maybe even to 50 and a half, but nothing under 50. Um, so we'll look at that game. And again, just be careful before you make that bet. See where that line is at and see if it's gone any more with any more moving. Chris, any more games for you for Saturday? That's all I have for the college uh, slate as of right now. I got a few more in the college slate right here. Uh, you heard it here, guys. Anything under the 50 burger. Brock Landers, you can follow him on Twitter at BrockLanders41. You guys are listening to the Wager Pager podcast live from the Van Voorst Film Studio here in Hoboken, New Jersey. I got a couple more plays here on the college board. I'm looking at the Baylor Bears. Are you freaking kidding me? Undefeated still, plus 10 at home versus Oklahoma? Come on. That is way too many points. I think this game should be more like 6 or 7. I'm taking the extra field goal value right there. Give me Baylor plus 10. Primetime, 7.30 p.m. kickoff Saturday night. I think finally Jalen Hurts comes down to earth. I don't think he's going to have a, a shit game or anything like that, but I don't know if he's going to light it up on Baylor at home, plus 10. Baylor Bears. Yeah, Chris, I think that's a good spot for them too there. I mean, I'm seeing right now that line opened up at almost 8.5, got up to about 10 right now as we do the show here. And, uh, you know, at this point, I, I don't think there's any value going the other way in that game. So I think it's Baylor or nothing at this point. Yes, sir. Uh, moving on to my last play here on the college football slate. 3.30 p.m. kickoff. I really, uh, this didn't do me well last year. I used to bet against Clemson every week last year, so I've been kind of picking my spots this year, but I think this is one of the weeks where we can go against the Tigers. Wake Forest, this line opened up at like 32 and a half, 33 in some spots. It's already ballooned up to 34 and a half here in New Jersey. Give me the Deacons, almost five touchdowns, plus 34 and a half. Don't be surprised if this team even upsets them. Wow, Chris, with a huge upset, perhaps. No money line here on the board in New Jersey. <laughs> this is, you know, that could be a sign. <laughs> Watch out, Wake Forest's offense is no joke. So, stepping off the bus, five touchdowns spotted. Give me Wake Forest plus 34 and a half. And if you're feeling dangerous, like Baker Mayfield, maybe sprinkle a little bit on that money line. Wow, Chris going really, really with a huge, huge upset money line. Hopefully you get that money line by the time Saturday rolls around. Yeah, man, if it's available. I mean, yeah. I'm only looking at one book right now. I, I got I to gotta shop around a little. Oh, definitely. Got to shop. Got to shop. All right, moving on to the National Football League. I've been getting curb stomped in the NFL. I mean, a couple of my plays on the show have been doing all right, but all my side plays I make every weekend just not good. I took it easy last week in the NFL, took the Sunday off, and uh, it was good to my bankroll. What are you looking at? Chris, I got a couple games that so far uh, I played, and I got a couple that I circled right now with strong leans on. Uh, the first game, though, that I actually played so far for this week, the bet has been in, 
I'm going to look to the Houston Texans this week. Last time we saw this team, they won over in London. They've had a couple weeks here off now to prepare. Uh, Now they go and play the red-hot Baltimore Ravens. Simple handicap for me here is this Ravens team, the stock is sky high. It can't get any higher than it already is. They beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Last week, I thought they would be in for a major letdown against a well-rested Bengals team with a new quarterback didn't happen. Lamar Jackson, he put up uh, a ton of points last week on the Bengals. Now, they almost put up 50-49. Usually when teams score that much, the following week, you got to expect a major regression. But hey, this Baltimore offense has been firing on all cylinders, but I just think you're going to get a well-rested Deshaun Watson for Houston. Those guys are going to be ready to go for this game. And uh, I never like backing Bill O'Brien too much against a good team. That's never a good uh, scenario. But I'm seeing the line opened up at five. There's still four and a halfs and fours out there as we do this podcast on Wednesday evening. I think it's a great spot for Houston. And Houston's got to start making a run here if they're going to win this AFC South. So I think you're going to get a well-focused, well-rested game plan from Houston here. And uh, Baltimore, you know, sky high right now their stock everyone's betting them everyone's saying Lamar Jackson's the MVP so far and next week they are going to Los Angeles Monday night football they're going to play the Rams so this is going to be a tough two-week turnaround here I think for for Baltimore they're going to play uh, two really good teams in Houston and the Rams so take the Texans plus four and even take maybe a little nibble at the money line Nibble, nibble, nibble. A little bit of a look-ahead spot there. Love it, guys. Might have to tell Mr. Brock Landers. I don't have much on the board in the NFL this week, I got to tell you. Do you want me to try to talk you into some games? Yeah, I could be talked into games right now. Let's look at uh, a game taking place 4 o'clock in the NFC West. How about the pesky Arizona Cardinals? That was actually my lean. This Plus 11 team, and a half. you're getting the double digits. Division dog. These teams played two weeks ago on Thursday night. Arizona gave them a game. Now, I know that that wasn't in Arizona, but what's changed for San Francisco since that game? They got Emmanuel Sanders, and he left Monday night's game. And when he left, that whole Niners team looked completely different on offense. I got to be honest with you. Now, they might get the tight end back, I think, in this one, right? Uh, Kittle, he might be coming back for this one. But Arizona's showed up to almost every game they've been in this year, especially those early East Coast times. So I I think if anything here, it's Arizona or pass in this game. I I can't see any any reason to take a, a, a Niner team that just came off of an overtime game on Monday night. And that was a physical game. Whenever you play Seattle, uh, you're in it for a full, you know, 60 minutes plus as it went to overtime. Yeah, man. Okay, you got me going. You got yeah. the, you got me going. You got the vibe going. Yeah, I, I love. I'm loving the Arizona. These dirty, stinky dogs. You got me in the mood to take another one here. I'm looking at the Bengals. Yeah, that was my next game. Plus I was going to try to convince you on. I know we got killed last week with them. I but mean, come on, Oakland Raiders, same type of situation. Yeah, uh, sell while they're high. Everyone saw them in national TV the other night, uh, Thursday night, right? No, Monday night football. No, Thursday, Thursday night, night football yeah, last yeah. week. They looked great, and they have looked good. They've been tough all year. And now I think 10.5 points is just a little much to ask them to lay, even at home. Give me the plus 10.5 with the Cincinnati Bengals, the fighting Ryan Finleys. 
I love that. I love that pick. Uh, again, the Bengals got to pull something together, I would think, at one point, even though their team is, you know, just in a major disarray. But, you know, I, I give the coach credit. He came out in a press conference this week and said, hey, we're not rebuilding, you know, just to get draft picks. We're rebuilding the whole culture of this team. I mean, Marvin Lewis is out of there. They're trying to build something for the future. I know they're going to try to, you know, at least show up, hopefully, for this game. Uh, you know, they got uh, Finley in there. He's going to be in there for another week. And like you said, Oakland, did we ever think the Oakland Raiders are going to be laying 10.5 at some point this year? I didn't think so. Now, they've been good. They've been sneaky good, 5-4. and four. Um, But last couple of weeks, you know, they played the, the Lions, and that game went down, I think, the last possession. And then uh, last possession last week against the Chargers. So I just think this line's way too high, and no one wants the Bengals. You know, you got to take the, the team when it's at its absolute worst and sell when it's at its highest in the NFL. And like you said, Chris, this might be the best point to do that. Another game I want to look at real quick uh, as we finish up here, the pick segment for the NFL, um, the Wager Pager podcast. Let's take a look at the Jacksonville-Indianapolis game. Let's take a look at Jacksonville. Last time we saw them in London, Gardner Minshew looked terrible. The whole team looked terrible. They looked like they, they stayed on the plane that game. Now what's changed we're supposed to get Nick Foles, from what I'm hearing, to start yes. on Sunday. So it's going to be interesting to see how the team responds to Foles now because it seemed like Minshew was winning over a lot of people there and they believed that he was going to be the guy to get it done this year for them. But let's take a look at it from Foles' point of view. Foles misses the first game of the year. He's out within you know six minutes of the game, I think it was, not even uh, you know collarbone. Now he comes back into a situation this Jacksonville team's four and five. They still have plenty to play for. And now they're, they're getting an indie team with maybe no Brissett again. We're not sure if it's Hoyer, if it's Brissett. And last week, Indy lost to Miami. Indy looked terrible last week. So if you're Foles, I think you have to basically say, hey, people think Minshew's going to get the job. I just got this huge contract. I'm playing for my, my life right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're going to get an all-out effort from Jacksonville. The defense should show up for this game. It's an AFC South game. Those things tend to usually, it seems like, stay kind of close from, from what I can recall when these teams play. So I think Jacksonville getting the points is a nice spot here. And I already see 3.5 down to 2.5. So uh, there might be some sharp movement already on Jacksonville. You're getting a, the better defense. And now Indy, you're five and four, and they're they got guys off the practice squad. Ty Hilton's out. Uh, they've got guys that are off the practice squad. Uh, Pasquale, uh, uh, he's there. Campbell, they're pulling out guys at it left and right just to try to get through the season. It seems like at this point. So take a look at Jacksonville. I think come Sunday. Haven't made a bet yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to uh, maybe pounding the uh, the table for that game. All right, one last bonus play before we wrap it up here. I'm, I'm going to take a look at the Saints. I don't bet a lot of favorites, but I think they can maybe bounce back after after a, a tough loss in a divisional game last week uh, with the Falcons. They're, they're bouncing back, another divisional spot, but they're playing in, in Tampa, and I look for the Saints to come out and, and uh, you know lay that five and a half. I, can, I think they can win by a touch or more. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, Chris. I've been back in Jameis Winston for like the last four weeks. It's a nightmare. I don't know why I keep doing it. I can't help it. Last week, perfect example. Thought that was a great spot for them to come home and uh, and to win outright by at least six points or more. Arizona showed up. Kyler Murray, ton of fun to watch, and uh, you know Jameis Winston. Uh, what can you say? You you bet Jameis, and you're in for uh, an interesting Sunday. You'll be yelling at the TV. You'll be clapping. You'll be happy at certain points. Good Jameis, bad Jameis. Never never good to uh, to be with Jameis. 
Well, guys, that just about wraps it up for this episode. We're almost out of time on this week's episode of the Wager Pager podcast. Make sure you get out to the sports books this week and load those apps with some money. And you've got college football to look at. You've got college basketball, hockey, pro hoops. You got it all. Check those lines, beat those numbers, and cash some tickets. Get pumped. Get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast. All right, that's it for Season 2, Episode 13. Special thanks to our guest, Rufus Peabody. Thanks to my co-host, Brock Landers. And, of course, thanks to the guys here at Van Voorst Films. And, as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day, and all calls and text messages are confidential. Here we go. The Wager Pager Podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Voorst Films, edited by Van Voorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice.